Hi and welcome in this new episode where I will talk a bit about my writing and living process, well, this life creative process around my last book which is called Practical Guide to Zen Habits for Creatives with ADHD. Um, just to say that this book is only in French right now, so I really hope that I'll be able to translate it um, in 24, uh, maybe later, I don't know, but I really want to, to make it. Um, I really wanted to make this episode too for a long time, which is called What I Learned About Life Creative Process, Meditation, Mindfulness and ADHD while writing about it. So it's the process in the process, you know, when you are writing about a topic and you are observing yourself processing across um, these topics. So it might be a long episode, but I, I will make many chapters for you to to be able to navigate from one to another uh, because I try to, to walk the talk. So writing about ADHD means that I'm... Um, I'm aware that it, it's obviously it's quite hard to, to listen to something that is long. So here we go inside this new episode. Welcome on board. So first to begin with, uh, I would like to say that these things that I've learned are not really things that I've learned, but mostly things that I knew a bit um, that were here in me and I think that writing is, is such a powerful process that leads you to like unfold your inner truths, uh, revise some aspects of your beliefs, uh, like refreshing your spirit and leading you to, you know, to have like new conceptions about your functionment, func sorry, um, new ideas about how you can process within your art, within your life. And so everything is like intertwined. So it's quite impossible to separate life from art and life from creative process. That's the whole meaning of this podcast, you know it. Um, so just to say that there are very personal things that I will talk about here. And there are also things that are quite like... Um, not very cool, but you know some points that I could experience and say to myself, okay, this is true. This is like what they say. This is like what I hear about it before. Um, I knew it, it was true, but I didn't leave it by myself. So I, I could not yet agree and I could not really, um, you know, go further because I hadn't had the experience about this fact. So, in this episode, I chose to, to, to be with myself, like myself, asking myself. So, you will hear my questions, which is myself, like talking aloud by myself. And this thing of, you know, talking by yourself alone is something that I've always done all my life, I think. Um, I don't know if it's related to thing to the fact that I'm an autistic person, maybe or maybe not, maybe it's just like this introvert thing. Um, but what I rediscover through writing this book 
about creatives with ADHD and about mindfulness is that talking loud and talking to yourself is really, really a great tool to help you um, being aware of how you process, where you are in your process, so to check the points that you want to make, like your to-do list or your steps, and also to you know to take some distance from what is happening um, we are used to talk to someone else or to write to someone else you know to share to someone else but we can also do a bit by ourselves and we all know that when we are in such an inner process of, of creating especially a book I think um, maybe other things but especially a book we tend to separate ourselves from the world. There are the things we have to do while writing and there are all the stuff that is happening right outside, you know, right, uh, right outside the door. But when you talk, you process your emotions, you process your feelings, you can also talk about what your body is living. And this is the whole thing that I also, um, you know, transmit and teach people with my body voice practice is really to um, put your language and put your words aloud um, really hear yourself trying to 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 learn to hear yourself like if you were not someone else but just hearing your own sound and this is also like um, a kind of ritual that I Put into the book so the book is organized with uh, a third part which consists of uh, more than 30 rituals of awareness um, to help you concentrate organize and alleviate your brain your mind and also your body and these rituals are built around words around voice movement so it's not only uh, meditate with a sitting position and staying silent etc and in one of these rituals I advise I, I, I tell people I invite you to talk aloud and to you know uh, verbalize your process just you know all these inner thoughts as soon as they are expressed loudly like in the air they tend to get um, either more strength more um, more sense so that is a sort of confirmation that what you're saying is is real is good is true and that is what is working for you and it's important to to hear yourself repeating like this kind of mantras or either um, these sentences that you speak aloud for yourself by yourself are these inner thoughts um, of you know all that is related to false beliefs, uh, imposter syndrome, etc. Like, um, I'm not good enough, I'm so late in my project, I didn't respect my to-do, or, you know, all these things that are stressing you. And just expressing them is also a step to alleviate, you know, like putting them outside in the world so that they have less power on you. And thus you can create a distance between you and yourself and also get more confidence um, 
So anyway, it helped me a lot. And I really think that it's, it's something that is important to say and that is something that is not so spoken. Well, in fact, I quite didn't hear something about it. Um, but like I said, I know that many autistic persons do that like naturally because we just need it and we like it and it really helps a lot. So we are two for this episode, me and myself, but I, I hope these questions will echo to you and that will help you to maybe uh, resonate with your own creative process right now in your life or in your art, or maybe with your current project or maybe for your next project. So obviously the main question regarding this book would be what is the link between ADHD, mindfulness, meditation and life's creative process? Well, to me this is quite simple. This, I mean that meditation um, englobes everything. To me meditation is simply making contact with life, with living, with this moment. And this doesn't mean suppressing your thoughts, sitting straight uh, without moving in silence and so on. This, this can be uh, done in many forms, but the constant thing is just getting into your own presence. Getting your own presence and getting into the presence of the outer world too. So it's not like um, going back to your inner world, it's, it's just like making again this fluidity and this porous door between you and the outer world. And so this is what I call making the contact between you and the outside. And being in the living means, you know, really sensing yourself, in a, really in a sensorial way, feeling yourself in the canvas of life. So touching life within yourself and touching life outside and trying to find a balance uh, between thoughts, reactions and so on. And being obviously conscious of what is happening and trying to, to release control, trying to release fears, but mainly trying to release this I should do like this, I should think like that etc. So it can be uh, something that is hard to do when you're dealing with ADHD but like I said before meditation can be made in movement while dancing, uh, while writing, while singing with your voice. This is specifically the way that I develop in my own practice and teaching. Uh, it can also be done when you're walking, when you're cooking, when you just, um, you know, every second is an opportunity to meditate in a way. So it's a precious uh, practice to help being aware of what you are feeling, of the capacity you have to focus on things. And ADHD is known to, to be a problem, you know, but meditation consider that thoughts are not a problem. Your mind, your brain is not a problem. It's not a problem to have, you know, to have big emotions, to have many thoughts. 
to you know to 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 always be on a rush or to be too low within your energy you're not a problem you're just living and meditating is is just you know making this contact again and saying okay this is where i am this is where what i feel this is what i think and just by that by this realization getting contact with this is also detaching yourself from this belief that you are what you think you are what you what you feel and you are what what you are meant to to do what you are supposed to do and this is really helpful when you have problems with attention concentration when you have imposter syndrome and so on and this is all also obviously very helpful um, for relationships to yourself and to your others for um, professional relationships or private relationships you know each time that you get the sense of oh I'm reconnecting to myself so I can be aware of what's happening inside of me and inside um, inside the outer world, like I would say. So this is really um, a way to, to have a whole perspective on what is happening and not getting stuck into what we all do, which is, um, you know, rushing to the next step, the next thing to do, the next uh, sentence to say or rushing back to the past so what should i have done what should i what should have i said what should have i um written etc etc it's really here and now basically so it also helps you to process through your creativity um to to be aware of what's coming from your past what you're projecting into the future what is really happening right now and taking the time and identifying the phases of your own process um, through your life's creative process through um, all that is uh, linked to your like your own recipe so let's talk about life creative process what do you mean by that I know there's a whole part in the book like in the first part of the book you're mentioning it and there are details can you tell us a bit about this uh, this circle which is called an Enzo and with the numbers from 1 to 9 that is describing this life creative process yeah of course so um, this is not a truth <laughs> obviously this is just my way to um, you know, figure it out. So um, I took the Enzo, which is this Japanese symbol of um, a circle that is not that is not closed. You know, there's a, a bit openness in it, and that is not perfectly round. So Enzo is the symbol of this human imperfection, and also uh, it reminds us that life is is linked to openness and that life is is not linear you know our process in life whether uh, in our artistic life or just daily life it's not something that is linear it's something that is circular it's it has um, even the form of a spiral you know and the openness in the end so means that we 
are constantly um, growing by expanding this circle um, as we are passing through stages in our lives uh, as we are living experiences we are constantly circling circulating around this circle and expanding it uh, from time to time so this is the sense of growing and this is also the sense of creating and you may have noticed that many times in our lives we we have the feeling that oh we've been there before so what's the sense of you know living again the same experience especially the same failures which is how we label it but it might not be true and of course we go through the same experience in 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 some way but we have another perception because we have grown from the last time um, so this is this the meaning of the enzo like this is growing imperfectly but through this ascending spiral continually um, yes circling but in a positive way and the numbers um, I, I chose to you know to to settle numbers around the Enzo just to have some um, you know some some steps that you can identify but obviously you know like I said this is not rigid this is meant to be um, a fluid um, process that you can appropriate yourself and this is just meant to be useful to help you to to see where you are in your own process right now um, where you come from where you can go and allowing yourself also to navigate between one step to another and some sometimes to to move forward and sometimes to step back so this is not you know this is not rigid this is not something that is quite stuck and this is not a method that would tell you well start at one and go to nine and then do it again no because we all have our own rhythm we all have our own experiences and you may thought uh, you may think that you are at some some point in your process and and sometimes you have to to, to go back to the 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 last step just to check just to repair something just to redo um, in order to make it better or something else so yeah there are nine numbers from one to nine um, this is just you know symbolic uh, patterns images that I find are helpful for me and that can resonate with your own process but again this is not the truth it's, it's just a point of view and my intention with that is really that people can appropriate um, this model to their own process and yeah get the better part out of it so for example one is it's just like you know the first breath the impulse you when you feel that mm, you you're in the mood to create you feel that there is um, a creative urge or just a creative mood that is inside of you and that something will get out of this um, at the middle of the circle we have nine um, sorry five so for example five is like uh, both the balance and the you know the the unbalancing of your process it's just yeah with the four you have the structure you have um, you have put down all the steps of your process 
and everything is split apart by the by the five not to destroy what you have done but to help you go further and maybe change some little things just to help you uh, make things more fluid more open more uh, reliable for you so that you can go to the next step which would be like i call it the sixth phase uh, where six represents like harmonizing um, stabilizing thing um, so yeah like you see each number is is, is linked to um, a meaning that is quite close to the one we have in a in a numerology for example but it's, it's also linked to my my own <laughs> mythological um, ideas um, so this is the life's creative process and to me it's like I said it's quite helpful to to help you see that process in life is not linear like I said and that you have the right to go from one to five very quickly and then it can be very long from five to nine where nine is really achieving uh, finishing and putting things out into the world like you have built your house you can move to your house um, you have met someone and your nine would be like uh, either the end of a relationship or either maybe marriage or big project with this person and you know you can find many many ideas around that many um, examples of, of, of life that would process around this circle and so, yeah this is just to to get this sense of uh, the spiral when people deal with ADHD um, often we are told well you should make things one by one and you know follow the to-do list make it step by step so what you say is just quite the contrary it's, it's like mm, let's let's have a little of, of a mess in it is that it um, it can feel or sound messy if you're rigid in your brain that's that's what I would say but in fact concentration doesn't come from strength or effort um, with your only will this is not like that the more you let yourself available to to really feel what is happening inside of you the more you are able to react in a way that is softer, that is not overreacting. And this is also true without outer triggers, you know, all these triggers that I talk about in the first part of the books, you know, all these things that can uh, put some delay, some um, discouragement, some demotivation and so on in your process when you are able to to take them and to through meditation through awareness through these rituals when you are able to 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 let them happen to you without overreacting then it's not a mess it's just that yeah you know that maybe you have to slow down maybe you have to step back but you tend to accept more easily that things are not linear but indeed it's useful to have this 
to-do list or other tools that help you to have practical steps to I will do this thing right now, then the second, the third, etc., etc., and at the end I will have finished. We quite all need this, I mean, right? And this is the part that is also in the book. Well, I have several rituals to help you build like your scenario, you know, like your your trailer of your project step by step and really embody this vision and this feeling and this energy around these steps even before you make them. But the whole deal, I would say the whole deal is really to build the structure that will help you to process while remaining open to the fact that maybe things will move a bit but that will not let you being overwhelmed with some changes and that you are able also to to strengthen your capacity um, to be more fluid with that to to, to find new solutions or new steps um, and this is also really linked to the relation we have with space and time so talking about space and time what did you learn about this I know there's a whole part in in the book at the beginning um, around the way we relate to space and time the, the way we um, we, we try to make plans and to-do list and all these things that we do uh, like journaling and, and some other tools that we use to, to, to help us achieve our goals and also the way that with all these triggers that you talked about the way that we um, embody in the space the way we live our, our body, our feelings and the way we can use the space to um, structure ourselves more and to um, alleviate the overreactions and the hypersensitivity. But personally, how did you process through that while writing your book? Uh, this is the big, big, big question for me. <laughs> um, the thing is, writing a practical guide is so different from writing poetry, which is why what I was used to um, I don't I don't really like to say that I'm writing poetry because it uh, well it's just a label it's just a name but I'm writing that's that's all but it can be a reference to poetry anyway um, I was used to write quite like I would say intuitively um, very intimate things and Poetry is, is really like a breath to me, you know. It's like um, I quite don't revise what I write when I'm writing poetry. So I, I don't sit at the table and spend many hours, you know, writing, writing, writing and then revising. It's not my thing at all um, as long as I write this poetry thing. It's just letting myself experience live and there comes a time where I feel that something is coming and then I write, but like breathing out. Breathing out what I have been breathing in before. And when things come out, they are just right. Like I don't have to revise many things. And it, it may sound quite spontaneous, but obviously it's, it's a whole process. Huh? 
like often when you write it's things that you have uh, learned lived before that are infusing and writing is just like the final step to to, to let these things out in the world. It's like, you know, a testimony, a trace of what you have lived before and sometimes things that you have lived very, very long ago or very, very deeply inside of you. And writing a practical guide seemed to me uh, such a different thing, such, <laughs> such a practical thing. Um, so I made the summary um, quite easily and I thought that well I've got like my to-do list which was my summary and I would go you know step by step to write every chapter in the order but I couldn't this is just uh, unbearable to me <laughs> and I think it's just so natural normal for someone who is creative it's so normal for someone who is dealing with ADHD too you know we've got this kind of of, of thinking that is so um, stimulating easily by by so many things and we need to move we need to have this freedom of moving from one point to another and then coming back to what is um, calling our attention for good and this whole chapter about space and time was the one that I wanted to write the most I think because it's really attracting to me as a, a topic and I was procrastinating because I knew I had so many things to tell about this. And once I really dove into it, it was so pleasant, you know. I really enjoyed it. And I thought, mm, I don't want to get out of there. I want to stay in that part of the book. And I even thought, oh, maybe I should just write a book about that. And that's all, you know. Um, you know, how how you how you feel the time, how you integrate time in your own process, the paradox between um, the official time and the feeling of time you have when you are creating, you know, when you're really into your thing and you can spend like hours without, <laughs> without eating or drinking or without uh, going outside and you you can even forget your own, you know, basic needs just because time is running out and you're into your things and even if you're supposed to lack some attention and have concentration problems uh, once you're in your your motivating task it really eclipses everything around you so that's marvelous and same thing about space it's such a topic that I was really into it and you know, if you're writing, you know this is such a such a pleasant feeling to to be like in your cocoon. And um, well, what I would say is that obviously I have learned, I had the confirmation that things are not linear, and that the more you let yourself go first to what pleases you, um, the easier it is to grow your attention to things that are not so pleasant you know what I mean it's like training yourself to deepening uh, growing your attention with things you like the most helps you to be more available to things um, that you're 
obliged to do. So, for example, the the first part, very very first part, what I have to wrote about, what is this book about? Uh, who am I? Why do I write about ADHD and mindfulness and creative process and so on? It was, uh, I wouldn't say it was boring, but it was not the thing that I would write first, even if I had some ideas about it. So the main thing to, yeah, to remind to me is let yourself go with your flow. And this is, this is the whole thing. Yeah, so I know that the flow is, is, is like the main subject of the book. And maybe, um, as I said in the first question, what is the link between meditation, life creative process, ADHD, maybe it's the flow. That is, you know, this breathing circulation around everything um, of what you do, what you receive from the outside, how you process this constant uh, metabolism of, of, of creativity. Um, so, did you did you succeed in managing your flow to to write the book? How did you deal with that? Um, you know what? How, did you have um, practical problems or problems that you describe in the book? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> so this has been a whole like you know social experience of sci- sociology experience of uh, you know like we call it being the. Um, participating observers so like I, I was writing myself about the process and I'm also observing myself processing through that process so it's, it's such a it's such a thing it's such interesting because um, it helped me to to really check that what I was writing was helpful to people you know at some point I realized that oh I was fed up with this part or oh, I couldn't go further it was too much so everything around you know dealing with energy learning to pacing yourself uh, learning to really master your trigger levels learning to build your routine and learning to modify your routine all these things i had to like going through through them once again uh, while i was writing it was like um, you know, being confronted myself to all these topics once again in a, a, a quite um, small amount of time in a small period of my life. So <laughs> it was quite intense, I must say. So, of course, like I said in the book, um, maybe I should talk about, even if it's French now, but it might, uh, it might interest some people uh, though. So the book is divided in three parts. So the first part is like, I would say not the theoretical part, but it's just about like this life creative process that I've been talking about with the Enzo and Embers and the interest it, it has for, for each of us. Um, about the specific problems that you have when you're creative with ADHD, um, around emotions, uh, interoception, exteroception, proprioception, like all the triggers with hypersensitivity um, and this part around space and time and also these uh, misconceptions and beliefs all that is linked to you know imposter syndrome, perfectionism, 
And yeah, I really try to not demonstrate, but to explain that everything is linked. You know, the relation we have with our body, with uh, the way we perceive ourselves, and also maybe the the way this label are impacting us, not in a very good way, which is it it might um, you know stick us into into belief that oh we've got a problem, we are a problem because we lack intention, we lack concentration will lack a motivation so yeah uh, I've been I've been writing uh, about all these things in the first part and also considering that um, this is not a problem uh, in itself it's just that we we see only the the you know the part of the iceberg that is out but inside in the ocean is all the resources that we have inside of us um, and all this path of awareness around this ritual um, of awareness is to get a sense of we are valuable and that we don't have to be perfect and we have our own ways our own resources to alleviate ourselves to try not to overreact um, so what I would like to say is, yeah, that, you know, all these things like perfectionism, imposter syndrome, we, in a sense, we all deal with that, ADHD or not. So this whole book is also dedicated to people who can relate to problems that are specific to ADHD, but not only. So you don't have to be labeled ADHD to to lack attention, to lack motivation, all is you know all is a matter of degree, and of um, the you know the pain or the limit it, it will have in your own life, and the the way it can be it can be a trap in your life, and the way you we might be stuck because of that. But I mean, we all have these uh, problems of attention today this is not this is this is not new um, so this is the first part of the book and the second part is a part that I didn't intend to write first or oh, I thought it would be a, a little part but it's about the routines and you know the the importance of building a routine that is both structured and fluid and to learn to let yourself get into your own routine to try things to let yourself time to appropriate your routine and to to allow yourself also to change a little bit when you think it's time when you think that yeah you are triggered by something or you you remark that this is not so pleasant to you this is not motivating so I describe you know the criteria to choose a good routine and I also give some tools to like to journaling your routines to have some um, insights about it and because you know the thing is all, always the same it's, it's just you know there is no recipe to to have better motivation better concentration to succeed there is no recipe there is just your inner truth and your feelings and what you do with your feelings and your thoughts and how you can accommodate with that and how you can process 
within your own process, but you, you've got to trust your process. So basically this part around routine has taken me mm, a good amount of time because I had to observe myself and to see, okay, this is this is good for me, this is not good for me. I will I will not go on writing every day at this hour because that it has no, no sense for me, you know, to say, oh, nine o'clock going to my desk and try to write on my laptop then I I don't I don't like to do like this I uh, for me specifically I need a large amount of times and really dive it into and maybe the next day I won't write at all but contrary to opposing to poetry uh, the thing I I've been dealing with is that at some point I was really like in a rhythm, like in a routine, why writing? Yeah, I must admit it was a difference. Um, I tried to stick to my, you know, to my summer, to my summary and to write chapters after chapters. Like I said, I've made some step back. Um, and it was all a question of, of, of mindfulness, of awareness. Um, I realized that as, as long as I was aware of how I was, um, how I was fluid or not with my process was, you know, the sign of, of if I should stop or if I should go on with this routine. So I had to change, and it took me a time, yeah, also to, to, you know, to to put things into the book that were not so, that were not so personal. That were just my conclusions about observing myself, but that could be useful to others. So um, obviously, I had to make this book a practical book, and just not this is how I do do like the same for me. So there are things in the book that I part of my daily practice, and there are things that I have tried, uh, but that I don't use um, daily. Uh, that I that I have put aside or that I use not so frequently and but all things come from me I you know I've experienced all of them but I've been thinking about the way people could appropriate themselves um, and maybe um, giving like some um, advice about how you can change that yeah, so one of the ways to build your routine is, uh, is obviously to decide do I uh, have to do it each day or weekly? How long does it, um, does it last? And why do I do it? So why do we need routine in fact? So why did you need routine to write this book? Well, like I said before, the fact that it's, it, it's a practical guide is very different from poetry like um, I had a deadline, I wanted to publish it by the end of January 23 um, and I had this summary so um, to me it was like I had no choice, you know, I was not so free and I very like this part of, around space and time and describing the end of the life creative process because it, I, I could write uh, with a, a more personal writing, telling a bit about my story and so on uh, whereas the third part, for example, is really, really practical. The third part is, you know, presenting all the rituals um, with, you know, with body, voice and 
mindful mindful rituals that are specifically um, you know made for people with ADHD so it's not like sitting in silence but uh, essentially around speaking singing moving um, breathing walking and building your tools practical tools to to help you process with your with your steps like you know with planification organization uh, all that is around structure so I need to have this routine uh, built around my like my summary like I do this first all my chapters are, are written like this and it helped me to 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 keep my motivation for example I remember that each day um, before I wrote I, I came back to this famous summary which was full so like you know you've got the whole book the summary is all already done so you just have to unfold your writing and everything is okay everything is done and I was coming back to this summary and underlined uh, with different colors the part that I did and it was really satisfying to me and even uh, I could erase them and then put colors again just you know for the phone saying like mm, yeah, I did one two three four five and I'm at seven uh, it, it can it might sound childish, but it's really effective for the brain to have this sensation of, you know, satisfaction and the sense of really going forward. And it was like a ritual to me. Also, um, linking and connecting to the, the energy of the final product. The, this is one of the rituals that I give at the end of the book. Really, you know, working this... Um, vibration the energy of your in of your project of what you really felt the first time that you wanted to deliver this into this world whether it be um you know a baby um a, a movie a song uh, a picture uh, a new dance uh, a book um i don't know um you know changing something in your in your in your home what did you feel and connecting yourself uh, daily or quite frequently to this vibration this original vibration is so powerful and helps you to to stay motivated and as you see I've forgotten your question about all these things uh, routines yes it's it's really helpful what is helpful to is so like have a structure but being open to fluidity and to change. So I had this deadline and I was quite sure that I could achieve it, but life is life, you know, and this is why um, I call this podcast Life Creative Process, is that you, you can't create and put things of your life aside, even if we like it sometimes. You know, we like to be in our cocoon and do our things and being absorbed, and this is just so marvelous. It's great feeling, but or creativity is also nurtured by what is happening outside and for good or for bad and my routines have been changing also because um, some things have happened outside and I had to integrate them to, to take the time to process so t time is uh, always a big deal for me um, and you know, sometimes your routines can can 
split apart and you know when you're dealing with like uh, we call it neurodivergent brains you can be triggered by tiny things and obviously also by like big things and this is what happened to me so um, someone is, is dead by suicide among my relatives um, during the writing of this book so obviously it was um, it was a shock so I had to deal with this big emotional overwhelming stuff I had to process my emotions and I had no routine anymore I wasn't able to to follow my routine um, so I, I won't you know I won't give any more details but what I can say is that um, all the, the benefits of mindfulness and routines is that if you have practiced enough you have trained yourself to build your routine make them uh, being aware of what is processing inside of you allowing your brain to have you know breathing spaces um, really learning to build presence and awareness to yourself then when your, your life is, is like a, a bit blown away by what's happening around you you know that you will come back to that later because it's it's like in sport you know you have trained yourself you you you've got some muscles and even if you have to stop for a while you can come back later and that's not lost you know all the work you have done so this is why it's also important the, this is like you know you you've got some um, a safe structure somewhere that you can uh, link to uh, once you have processed your emotions so to me it, it has been really helpful and comforting to to have meditation so when you're dealing with um, with such things such events in your life of course you you, you won't have to you, you aren't able to to do your things normally you know it's quite rare or your brain and your body are not available for that so you can't like meditate and write like if nothing is happening um, and I would say I, I didn't force myself I tried but I couldn't so the thing is I've been uh, quite stopping everything for t two months so um, so I was I was late on my deadline but <laughs> That was not a problem, that was just life. And um, meditating helped me. So I couldn't follow my routines like I said, because it was hard. I had some much anxiety. And also like, um, you know, I was obviously much triggered. Um, what can I say? It's hard to talk about it, especially in English, because I, I don't have the right words. And like I said, I don't want to give any, any more details, but just to say that you can be triggered by many things and it can, you know, um, interfere in your creative process. And that's just normal. That's not a bad thing. It's, like I said, it's just, it's just life. 
but the benefits of meditation is that you can um, like be aware more quickly and react in a, in a good in a better way for you um, instead of overreacting or blaming yourself or saying I shouldn't feel that I shouldn't be so bad I should um, I should release it all and go forward just allowing yourself to take time to process your emotions and even if you stop what you're doing it's it's not it's not bad it's not a problem it's not life is requiring for you from you to to be available to what is happening inside of you and to be present for yourself and and maybe for others depending on what is happening and it has been quite a deal also because um yeah when you're triggered you know that your old patterns can come back again so so i also had to deal with like compulsive food um behaviors so it was quite hard because I, i'm i'm recovering from eating disorders so um you know what i mean is that um the way it affected my book is also that I really wanted to insist on how important it is to take care of yourself and taking care of yourself is taking care of your art so even if you you are not perfect your project is not perfect like you would like it to be even if you are late on your delays even if it's not as good as you thought it would be even if it's different even you have changed your routines you know allow yourself to to be with what is here and now allow yourself to be what you are right here and now and all the thing it, it doesn't matter all the all the rest doesn't matter i mean we are not here to to succeed um the way we 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 think we should we are just here to to process all process and to trust our process trust our guts and maybe one of the biggest things are most important things I have learned I have confirmed with that is just that the way you process right now it's just the right way for you it can be very different from others you can be very quick on some steps. You can be very slow on other steps. Obviously, you're going to compare yourself at some point. And don't compare with others. Don't compare with yourself. Just notice what is happening and allow yourself. Allow yourself. Take care, take care, take care. This is this is my main <laughs> motto right now and I you know I've I've been repeating it so many times and in my letters and through my sharings and social medias take care of yourself to take care of your art you can't create um, if you don't take care of yourself but taking care of yourself also means yeah create when you when you're bad create when you're feeling bad when you're upset when you're overwhelmed or create nothing for a while if you can't create anything that's not a problem that's not a problem you know because you also have to remind yourself that this apparent state of no creation 
is preparing you for something else that you don't have any idea of at this point you know life is just constant creation so you can't suspect at all what is what will emerge uh, from all of that so just to finish i would really like to say to my creative fellows or followers is really um get to know your process get to know your trigger levels um, don't get stuck with these labels maybe you're dealing with ADHD or you're on the spectrum anyway you are free to be what you are don't don't force yourself train yourself to to observe your process you know this is like what I call the the meta uh, metacognitive process of the, of the thing and also learn to love your process yeah i would like, just like to finish this that with that is love your process and yeah this is what i've learned this, this practical guide is not a recipe like i said it's really an invita invitation to to love your process get to learn your process and get to love it and the more you love it the more you will be curious about it, the more you will get to know yourself deeper and deeper and ultimately to love yourself. So this is all about love. <laughs> thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for liking, sharing and subscribing to my podcast or my Substack letter. Take care and see you soon.